podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, what have we just witnessed? An absolute spanking of South Africa by Australia. The test finished inside two days. Australia wins by six wickets and go 1-0 up in the three-match series. I'm Menes. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. Paul, what an incredible weekend. (laughs) It was bonkers, wasn't it? G'day, everyone. It's quite funny that I, I feel like I've just been, like, assaulted by a um, a blitzkrieg of wickets and runs, and it's all happened so quickly. Yet, any other sport, this is a, it still lasted about 12 hours. It's funny, test cricket, that we think that was as fast as it could possibly be, but very curious test match. Um, uh, very entertaining, but it would have been nice to last a bit longer. Look, the pitch is going to come under the microscope and look, lots to talk about. But but this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN and it's a really great time for them to sponsor Cricket Unfiltered because cybersecurity is a really important issue in Australia at the moment and it's incredibly easy to use. I've got it and with just one click, I'm protected. Um, you can protect up to six devices with your account and you don't have to worry about hacking malicious sites or pop-ups and it's uh, relatively cheap just the price of around one coffee a month so um, um, yeah Nord VPN is the way to go yeah apparently this test match was not shown live into India so any um, cricket fans of Australia or South Africa in India would have had to use the VPN uh, in order to switch it over to Australian coverage to then um, explore some op- some options so the, with the Nord VPN you'll never be subjected to the torture of not being able to watch your favourite sport wherever you are in the world. So to get a huge discount off NordVPN and four months for free, go to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. That link is in the episode note. So if you're going to go and try NordVPN, make sure you use that link so they know you've come from cricket unfiltered. All right, on with the show, Paul. So, I mean... <laughs> An incredible day. I mean, where do we start? I mean, this, this morning Australia were batting. Travis Head was not out. Cameron Green was out there. And you sort of thought, well, Australia might be able to get a bit of a lead. But uh, wickets tumbled um, pretty much straight away. Well, not quite straight away. I thought that that they put on 36, which in the way that the game then panned out, <laughs> That's was quite true. a... That's like a double hundred partnership. Might have won the game for them. But I thought South Africa were very disappointing this morning that Rabada bowled probably the worst spell I've ever seen him bowl. And Head and Green just got away. I mean, Green played some lovely straight drives or off drives, but they were from half volleys from Rabada. And, yeah, Elgar put the field back. There were lots of easy singles on offer. And then I think it looked like it hadn't cost them too much when they then the wickets did start falling. 
But given how many um, wickets fell throughout the rest of the day, and given as well just how well um, and how fired up South Africa came out in that second innings, I thought it was a disappointing initial spell from them, just as it was a little bit disappointing the way they bowled to Smith and Head on day one. So a few things like that uh, in, a, in a low-scoring game cost them, cost them a lot. I thought Green looked pretty good in his short stay. He made 18 off 19 deliveries, but he was quite positive. He hit four boundaries and he was out driving. And I just liked his uh, positive intent in that short innings. Absolutely. He should never play any other way. Um, you know, there's, there's just no future in the way that he was playing in, in some of the innings that he's played in Test Cricket. He's too good a player. So, yep, hopefully he keeps on playing like this. If he's picked in the Boxing Day Test, we'll come on to that. But wouldn't surprise me if they decided to uh, opt out of the difficult decision on which fast bowler to drop and just drop Green instead. <laughs> and Travis Head was out for 92 of 96 deliveries. Uh, disappointing. Got a little feather on one down the leg side. Uh, but, but a fine innings and... Um, yeah, disappointing way to get out. Deserved 100. But when you look at the context of this match, and he's been judged player of the match, that, that innings is far and away the, the, the innings of the match. Absolutely. Definitely worthy recipient uh, of player of the match. He's been a bit unlucky now this summer, getting um, a couple of 90s and then getting run out when he was had a double century in sight as well. Uh, but I noticed uh, during the innings that we're talking – um, we've been talking about how Usman Khawaja's test average has risen up from low 40s into the very high 40s. Uh, Head's average is um, northward bound as well. He, he's now uh, putting together a pretty handy little test career. He passed 2,000 runs during this innings, and his average I mean, it would have dropped, but it was um, around about the 46 mark or something. So um, very, very impressive set of averages the Australian uh, top six is now starting to put together. Yeah, the, the common... Uh graph they keep putting up on Fox Cricket is the discrepancy between heads uh, away average and home average. That's the one they keep uh, putting up at the moment. So that's the challenge for head next year. Uh, Look, uh, something kind of annoyed me. So Alex Carey, he was 22 not out of 30 deliveries. And look, I'm not full mad menace, but I felt towards the end there, especially when Lyon was out there, Kerry could have started throwing the bat a little bit. He seemed just to be nudging it around when maybe he should have just been slogging it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lyon only lasted four balls and Cummins only lasted three. I think that he is probably, you know, he didn't have much of a sample size there. I, I think as well that the Australians do bat all the way down to 11 and there's a feeling that you don't have to quite do that. But, yeah, I didn't get that sense. So, um, but, you know, if, if it had been a longer period where he hadn't thrown the bat, I would have agreed with you. So uh, Australia um, is all out for 218, just, what, 66 runs ahead of um, South Africa. What And Rabada took four wickets, um, Janssen three wickets. I thought Marco Janssen was really impressive. Um, Norkia two wickets and... Ningiti one wicket, so the spinner not taking a wicket. But, you know, what were you thinking at the change of innings there with that sort of slenderish lead for Australia? I, I thought Australia was well on top because I, I, I thought it, it was going to be very difficult for South Africa in the second innings. And I also, it wasn't a good time for them to start. Where they, where they started with, was it half an hour before lunch, that, that I, I thought they're likely to be conservative anyway. But with the lunch break looming, that was an even more 
motivation to be conservative. They needed to sit down and say, we have to take a leaf out of the way that Travis had played. If we try to occupy the crease, then we're just going to be sitting ducks on this pitch. We don't need to get a massive lead. You know, they, 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 could, they should have been saying, even if we only get 150 in the second innings and set them, um, you know, 90 for wit to win, we, we'd, we'd, have a, we'd have something. So let's, let's um, play very aggressively, take a few risks, and away we go. And they didn't play that way uh, whatsoever. I can't be too critical of them because I think that the, the pitch was, you know, as difficult as you could possibly imagine. Ponting in commentary was saying that some of the Australians yesterday had said that it was the most difficult pitch that they'd ever played on. And the difference between yesterday and today was that the, the divots that had been taken out had really hardened and so there was more uneven bounce. So uh, against that attack on that pitch, it's, it's quite difficult to play your shots, I know. Mm. Uh, so, so, yeah, well, the change of innings for me, I actually thought South Africa had a, a decent chance at at least uh, giving Australia an awkward little chase in that fourth innings and we'll get oh, yeah. to it. Um, so, you know, I, I thought not that Australia sort of coughed up a big chance, but I thought South Africa sort of rock and rolled us at the end there and kept the lead under 100 and gave themselves a fighting chance. But you're right, in that little period before lunch, they lost uh, two quick wickets. They lost Elgar and Van der Dutzen, and one of those was uh, Mitchell Stark's 300th test wicket. Uh, and that was an absolute beauty to get Van der Dusen swung back in th- um, to the right-hander through the gate and, uh, you know, a classic st- Stark dismissal to bring up 300. Yeah, congratulations to him. And he becomes the seventh Australian to take 300 because I think I butchered it completely on the podcast yesterday. I forgot um, Mitchell Johnson. I forgot Brett Lee. I think I also forgot Glenn McGrath. Uh, so I basically forgot almost... <laughs> Almost all of them. Um, so <laughs> the seventh, and as 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 they made the point on the coverage, the best strike rate of the seventh. Certainly not the best average, but the best strike rate. So that's a that's a pretty impressive, um, a pretty impressive accomplishment, really. Uh, and then um, uh, uh, absolutely, and you know, you, you know, you, what you, people don't forget is you add to his. Um, tremendous wickets. He's also scored, you know, 10 test half centuries. It's averaging in the low 20s. He scored almost 2,000 test runs. He's a superb fielder. He's really the all-round package. He hasn't played the IPL to focus on Australian cricket. Um, he's, yeah, he's actually a, a fantastic servant to Australian cricket. Definitely. Um, and uh, as a small point, and I hope this continues, it was noteworthy that he came in ahead of Cummins in this in this innings, and I think that's the way that it should be because uh, Cummins probably has a more classical looking technique, but the stats would say that Stark is actually a better batter and a more destructive batter, so it makes sense for him to come in a bit earlier. So yeah, the, South Africa went to lunch two down, and then the wickets kept tumbling. Um, Irvy was Irvy was out um, when the score was five, so South Africa were three for five. Then Bavuma was out at the score when the score was forty-seven. They were four for forty-seven. Uh, Verena when the score was forty-eight, and Marco Janssen when the score was forty-eight. And Verena and Janssen, well, they they fell to the second innings destroyer Scott Boland. He is a bit of a show pony, isn't he? He loves to show off. He don't, you know, he always takes his wickets in clumps, and he did it this time. Two wickets in the over. Um, d- destructive stuff. I mean, I, I got to say, you know, Boland's winning me over. Um. He's not 
getting the opportunity to cash in at the end either. That um, with, with, when the wickets were kind of being uh, raffled away at the end, they could have given him another bowl, but uh, Cummins brought himself and Stark back on, which is fair enough. But yeah, Boland, it's incredible that his um, average before that uh, that innings was 10 point something and the best in history for anyone with 20 wickets or more, which is a ridiculous thing given that when you've got those sort of low number of wickets, you're going back into the, the 1880s and 1890s and they're playing on dodgy pitches. And so Boland's name suddenly sticks out amongst all these other players who um, have been long dead for decade after decade. And then he came out in the second in this second innings, actually made his average slightly lower because he um, took two for 14. So average is seven in the... Um, in the second innings. It's going to be fascinating whether they persist with him. It would be a brave call to drop him for Boxing Day. Um, you know, it would be pretty unfair on him, I reckon. Yeah, I think that you have to stick with him. And I'm not sure Hazelwood will be up for it. You know, side strains can linger a bit. So you you could almost um, put it off, the decision off to the Sydney Test match just on allowing Hazelwood a bit more time. I shouldn't forget um, Cameron Green took a great catch off the bowling of Pat Cummins uh, to dismiss Irvy in the second innings um, a Gully. Uh, you know, I don't know if you, it was very high. No one else would have got it. I certainly wouldn't have. It was a great catch. He's really owning that Gully position. Yeah, it was, it was a stunning catch. Um, it went very, very quickly as well. Um, you know, no one else probably would have been able to reach it, but Plenty of people who could have, if they had a little stepladder, would have still dropped it anyway. So, yeah, um, uh, I'm still very, very bullish about the future of Cameron Green. He hasn't necessarily done much with the bat and ball in this series, but I still think the upside is enormous. I agree. Um, I, they have to stick with him. And so uh, South Africa were bowled out in the end for 99. They actually did well. The last wicket put on 30 to get the score to almost 100 Um Mitchell Stark, 11 overs, 2 for 26. Pat Cummins, 12.4 overs, 5 for 42. Scott Boland, 8 overs, 2 for 14. And Nathan Lyon, 6 overs, 1 for 17. And I almost think Nathan Lyon was over bowled in that second innings. I thought maybe Cameron Green would have been a better option than the spinner. It's a small little um, bugbear. Um, yeah, um, and I thought that um, Kaya Zondo played well for his 36 not out. I mean, he's got a very, very modest first-class record. He's played lots of games for an average of only 31. It's hard to see that he's ever going to have much success at test level if you go with the sort of adage that your first-class average is the sort of maximum you can expect to average in the test side. It's hard to see him averaging anything other than the sort of high 20s. But uh, in these conditions, when everyone else was failing, he played pretty nicely. He did indeed. And uh, so that left Australia with the target of 34. And as I said, one stage looked like Australia was only going to need a handful. And this is all still on the second afternoon of a test match. Just remember that. And I know, Paul, you've got some stats about how short this test match is uh, to throw at us in a sec. But then Australia needed 34. They they lost four wickets. Uh, Kawaja was out for two. Warner, three. Smith, six. Head, zero. Uh, I, I don't read too much into that. It was a, a tough wicket and a low target, but I guess it just points further to, you know, what if South Africa had managed to get a lead of, say, 100, then obviously it becomes a really tricky chase. But Rabada, four overs, four for 13 uh, um, in that little burst there. Australia wins uh, by six wickets on the second afternoon. 
it just an incredible, incredible scene. So I think there's only been what two two day test matches in Australia. Yeah, this is the second um, two day test, and for, for me though, the, the, the more telling stat is the number of balls because back in the day they'd play 120 overs in a day, so there were probably some matches that. Um, uh, you know, you, you're not quite comparing apples with apples, but this match had only 867 balls, and that is the second shortest in uh, Australian Test history. So, 656 uh, was the shortest, and I think that the um, the third shortest is actually the other two-day Test. Uh, curiously enough, but the 656 was Australia versus South Africa back at the MCG in 1932, and so this one is now. The second shortest. Also, this one had an average of only fourteen point eight two runs per wicket, and that is the eighth lowest in um, the history of Australian Test cricket. So, of all the four hundred and thirty eight Test matches played in Australia, only seven have seen the average um, runs per wicket less than this one. Wow, just stunning! And and, and I'm sort of trying to. Think about you know what? Why is this happened? I mean, why is this um, this incredible turn of events occurred? And I sort of think it's the perfect storm. I, the wicket was conducive to fast bowling and very difficult to bat on. We had two teams uh, that had magnificent fast bowlers, and one team had a particularly weak batting order, and. and that's why we got this match finished in under 145 overs. So, Paul, in my opinion, this pitch wasn't good enough. I think it was underprepared. I don't mind a little bit of life in it, but this is not a good enough test pitch. Normally, the Gabba flattens out a little bit. This one didn't flatten out. And I think the curator has really botched this up. It's not a good advert um, to have the test finished in two days. It's got to be terribly terrible financially for Cricket Australia and Cricket Queensland. And uh, this is a disaster. Great for Australian cricket to be 1-0 up because I want to win the series. But this is a this pitch is a, a disaster. Yeah, terrible pitch, really. Um, the only thing I'll say is if you're going to have a bad pitch, I'd rather them err on this side than the, the side of an absolute road where 600 plays 600. But that's really the only positive thing I can say that the cricket was highly watchable and highly entertaining, but a two day pitch is not in anyone's interests. Ponting made the point on air. And I agree with him that this is the first time he's seen the Gabba get it wrong like this, that traditionally I think the Gabba has been an excellent pitch. Uh, so they've stuffed this one up. Um, we all make mistakes and that's, that's disappointing. I, I do think that there should be a little bit more, I don't know, oversight scrutiny, in the lead-up to the pitch um, from uh, the ICC or, or somewhere, there seems to be this attitude of, oh, you know, it's it's a hard art preparing the pitch and we've just got to leave them to it. And they, almost like it's, um, uh, what's the word? Is it esoteric? Is that the right word? Um, oh, just magic. Ar- arcane. Um, I'm not sure. That, that yeah, that we, us mere mortals can't, can't possibly fathom the, the highly complex job that the curators do. And I don't buy that. I, I think that, Surely there should have been some sort of um, flag 
uh, red flag given two or three or four days out. Oh, wait, wait a minute. This pitch is clearly not heading in a trajectory that's going to produce the right sort of pitch for the match and intervention should have should have occurred or there should have been some forewarning that there was something going wrong. So, yeah, I, I, they should be required to explain because Matthew Hayden was saying that the weather in Brisbane has not been particularly... Um, exceptional. It's been reasonably normal early summer um, Brisbane weather. Um, so, yeah, how did they get it so wrong? Uh, as I said, better this way than um, a really boring draw, but that's that's about the only positive. Yeah, it's because what it's done is it's um, yeah. So this will, this will leave a huge financial hole in um, the the pockets of. Um, you know, the Gabba, Queensland Cricket and Cricket Australia. Well, I don't think it'll leave a hole in the sense that the TV rights where they make their money are already locked in. But what it'll do is it'll annoy the hell out of Channel 7. They're thinking, you know, we paid all this money based on, you know, the average test match these days probably lasting 4.2 days or something. We didn't expect that it would only last two days. And the, the blockbuster series where we were, you know, hoping for maybe... 12 or 13 days of um, prime time great rating cricket. Um, we've now we've we've lost at least two days of, of, from what we expected on something that was highly preventable. So, yeah, I I think it's a, a further thing that would make Channel Seven think we're not so keen to be broadcasting this sport. Yeah, incredible. Just you know, on, on the back of what we saw from the Sydney Thunder being bowled out for 15. Um, this is a, just another stunning result. Uh, David Warner w- was out for three in the second inning, so I guess you know, he probably had the most to lose in that second inning. So a, a double failure for him. You know, there'll still be uh, the, the 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 Warner haters circling. I notice uh, there's a pretty a stronger sentiment out of Victoria to oust Warner from the side, and I think that'll get louder and louder heading into the Boxing Day Test. I think that what will help him is that because this, in the end, the result has become somewhat farcical, you know, a two-day result, that that has probably helped him a little bit because people will put it to one side to an extent. Um, you know, if if this had been a match that had finished in four days and there'd been plenty of runs by everyone else, it would have looked even worse. It was a curious approach to that second innings run chase by the Australians. Kawaja was out caught backing away a little bit. Smith was flashing at one outside off stump. I suppose they took the attitude that if we um, if we just hang around, we're going to get out, so we might as well get these runs in a hurry. Um, but Warner did get out playing um, an authentic shot. It was a, another dismissal that just, yeah, it was a good ball, but it was kind of like uh, um, a, dis- a, a dismissal that didn't do anyone who thinks that he should be dropped anything to change their mind. I'm not in that camp yet. I would still be picking him, certainly for uh, these next two test matches. Um, And I'd still be thinking I'd be taking him to India because I'm not sure who I'd be having instead. But, um, yeah, I really hope he gets some runs in Melbourne. All right. So Australia go 1-0 up in the series. Anything you want to add um, about the match, Paul? Um, I I think that um, Dean Elgar's captaincy disappointed me, that he seems to be from the same mould as so many captains from overseas. Joe Root was one of them. Uh, Brathwaite was one just recently of just being very, very timid, timid and conservative and being defensive. And I just think that that's not the right way to play. That The, the, the spread fields and the, uh, the batting at 
a glacial pace by the side and you know even just not taking Rabada off after his second over um, this morning where he was bowling very very poorly and he gave him a third over Ponting and commentary was saying he would have taken him off I think that he's a very fine player and but I think he captains a little bit the way he bats which is um, it's fine to bat that way but I don't think that's the right way to captain so uh, you know, I'm always the one saying the significance of the captaincy is overstated, but in some instances, I think it is significant. And if Ben Stokes was captaining the side, I think that they'd have a much better, uh, would have had a much better chance in this match. Might have been over in a, like just a day and a half, and less than, <laughs> wouldn't have even got two days. Uh, so, so just with the the match, the way it played out, I think although it, it happened very quickly, it did, did play out. I think the, uh, the way a lot of people thought it would, where uh, you know two very good bowling attacks that actually match up pretty evenly, but Australia just had a bit more class with the bat, and uh, I, I think that's the way this played out. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty true, and. And as we said, Travis Head's first innings score was a a, a massive, uh, massive difference between the two sides. And um, uh, he can be very proud of the way that he played. Unfortunately for him, he got out in the second innings, um, nibbling one down the leg side, just as he did in the first innings as well. So, so Paul, looking ahead to Boxing Day, have you seen enough to suggest that South Africa can get back in this series? Or is Australia finally going to win at home against one of our greatest foes. Obviously now with the, this result, Australia is very, very long odds on to um, not lose the series. South Africa certainly showed enough in this match to indicate they can be highly competitive in Melbourne and could win. Um, that wouldn't be at all a major surprise. But there's just a feeling of, I suppose there's a little bit of a feeling of fragility about them that hasn't been evident in South African sides of the past. Obviously their batting is very fragile, but even their bowling that Rabada putting in that poor spell and the poor way that they bowled to Smith and head in the first innings. I think that that was, um, yeah, um, a, a little bit disappointing. And, um, but the way that Rabada bowled in the second innings, if he produces that in Melbourne, then uh, certainly anything is possible. So it would have been an interesting outcome if, if, the, if the, the situation had been reversed and if um, South Africa had had the opportunity of um, bowling first, although uh, Elgar at the toss said that he would have batted first, which uh, was, again, a sign of the, um, the conservatism that concerns me. Well, I guess that's it for a wrap-up of the first Test match, Paul. Um, you were concerned um, how you were going to go doing the wraps on you know Monday and Tuesday with your work commitments, but we certainly don't have to worry about that. So that is one positive um, from the Test finishing in two days. Uh, we're going to get together later this week and record our regular weekly show. Uh, but where can the listeners connect with you, Paul? I'm on um, Paul, Paul Dennett underscore on Twitter, and I'm back active on TikTok as well. If you search for Paul Dennett on TikTok, um, if you're, uh, I noticed that I've got most of my audience is from 18 to 24. So uh, some of the older people listening to this show, it'd be great to have a few more people from uh, uh, an older vintage to, to back me up against the youngsters on TikTok. Love it. Um, I'm at Amenas, A-M-E-N-N-E-R-S on Twitter. Um, you can connect with me there. Thanks for listening to Cricket Unfiltered, the longest-running weekly cricket podcast in Australia. We'll be back with our regular weekly show later in the week. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. 
kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.